You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For other messages and more information about Life Point Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org. I'm excited this morning to uh, start a new series on the Word of God, on the Bible. Um, I know than a gathering as diverse as this, as we gather on a Sunday morning, I know that some see the Bible and they see it as a pretty intimidating book. They're like, I, I don't even know where to start. Some see it as confusing. Some, maybe if you've been around the church for a while, you think of it as boring. You're like, been there, done that, I've heard the stories. Um, I have a strong uh, vision in my heart over the next couple of weeks and then into the uh, spring semester, I wanna see a church of, of hundreds of people set on fire with a, with a hunger for the word of Jesus, for the revelation of God's word, written word. God reveals himself to us in many ways. He reveals himself to us through creation. He reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. God also has given us a gift in his word. And this becomes an authoritative, constant revelation of what God is like and how he works in our lives. And so we're gonna dive into this over the next few weeks. And my heart is, that wherever you're at in the spectrum of your view of Scripture, whether it be confusing, intimidated, um, maybe you're already diving into it every day, I'm praying that it will just stoke the fire even more so in your, in your life for the Word of God. Let's just pray as we open up His Word. God, it's kind of an ambitious desire in my heart in the midst of just our culture where maybe we, we want a, a quick fix. We want a quick revelation of you. And so we can, we can jump onto YouTube or Google or or pick up the latest podcast of whatever preacher and, and think that we're getting a revelation of who you are. But God, that's really secondhand. That's like eating the leftovers. God, we want, we want to be a community of individuals that are seeking you for ourselves and that are diving into the word, yes, in accountability to one another, but, but at the end of the day, we're seeking you for ourselves. And so I just see a, a group of hundreds of believers with scriptures open wide in their lives, Monday through Sunday, just devouring it, consuming it on a daily basis. It feeds our souls as a church community. I pray it, Lord, that this morning that would come alive, that type of living, that type of lifestyle, hungering for your word. Uh, I pray that upon our church, make it happen, Lord, in your name, amen. So I have a three-year-old daughter named Addison, and if, if you've uh, raised a preschooler, if you have a preschooler at your home, you're probably familiar with bedtime routines, right? Three-year-olds, they just, they love their, the same old routine for bedtime. And so my three-year-old Addison, she's got her routine set. She wants her snuggle time and usually one song and I'll pray with her and I'll say some things that she wants me to say to her and whatnot. And then I make my way towards the door and as I'm making my way towards the door, she inevitably will say, Dad, make sure you leave the door open and the hallway light on. She, she says it several times, and, and even if the door is maybe halfway shut, she'll say, Dad, no, make sure the door is all the way open. I want, I want it all the way open. And maybe you, you remember your childhood. You, maybe you needed to have a nightlight on in your, in your bedroom, or maybe you needed to have the, the closet light on or the hallway light on. Were you guys that? Maybe I was the only one that was afraid of the dark. But there's something in kids that they, they, they resist the mystery of darkness, right? They don't want any corners to be mysterious or dark. They, they want it all to come into the light. And my daughter Addison, she adamantly wants the light of the hallway to be flooding into her room. I would, I would, I would venture to say that as, as believers, if God has given us the revelation of his word, we would want it flooding into our lives as much as possible. 
But yet, we find ourselves in a busy, busy culture, and we find ourselves oftentimes resisting going to the light of God's word. You see, Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So the description of the word of God, describing itself, is it's like a light that lights our path. It's a, it's a, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It illuminates the way in which we are to live. And so if that's, if that's the way the word of God describes itself, it's a light, it's an illuminating power upon your life, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that as Christ followers, as children of God, we would want to submit ourselves to the illumination, saying, just like my daughter Addison, saying, I want all the light I can get. Like, leave the door open, God. Father, Dad, leave the door open. I want the light of Christ to shine into my life. That's logically what we would think, but yet we, we oftentimes resist it for a variety of reasons. I'm praying that we can penetrate through all those hindrances that we have in our lives that keep us away from the Word of God. And this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address two things. I'm going to address the why we need to submit ourselves to the light of God's Word, but then I'm also going to equip us with the how. How can we begin walking towards this, this lifestyle of experiencing the light of God's Word on a daily basis? I want to submit this truth to you. God's word will be an authority in our life to the extent that we expect to experience it and not read it, not just read it. His word will be an authority in our life to the extent that we expect, we come to it with this expectation that we're going to experience it and not just read it. When the word of God, in our, just even in our minds, even if it's just at the start, a mental ascent, if you say at first, God, this is more than just a textbook, this is more than words on a page. This is living revelation of what God is like and how he's calling me to live. If we come to him with that expectation, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're exalting his word to his rightful place as authoritative in our life. We're, we're now saying he has the authority to speak into our life, to illuminate areas of darkness in our hearts, ways that we're not al in alignment with his kingdom, with his best ways of living. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 119. I want us specifically to talk about why we need the authority of God's word in our life. Then we will dive into the how. And Psalm 119, we're going to actually be in Psalm 119 for the next four weeks. And you can thank me now, because this is the longest chapter in the Bible, so 176 verses. I just had mercy upon you all, and I said, I'm not going to read all 176 verses this morning. We're going to break it up over the next few weeks. But Psalm 119 is this epic psalm or poem or song about the Word of God, the beauty of the Word of God, the revelation of God's written Word to us as individuals. So it's fitting that we would dive into this. If we're trying to stoke a fire in our hearts for the Word of God, wherever you're at, Psalm 119 is a great place to start just to give you an understanding of maybe the structure of Psalm 119. It has firmly established poetic structure to it, 22 stanzas, Eight verses per stanza, 22 times 876 verses. And you'll see above every stanza, there's, there's a different Hebrew word. Those are the 22 Hebrew letters. So this is like the ABCs of the Word of God. Aleph, Beth, Gamil, Deleth. He goes through the ABCs of the Word of God, an acrostic for us. And in the original language, actually, the first word of every verse starts with that letter. So it's very thoughtful, intentional writing by the psalmist. So let's just read this, Psalm 119. It said, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord, the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep 
his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight. In as much or as much in as, as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. We'll stop right there for this week. But if you just take, take that in, those 40 verses for a moment, there's no way on earth you could interpret the psalmist's words to be viewing the law of God. This is an, an Old Testament believer, so he had partial revelation of what God is like compared to what we have today, post-Jesus. But his viewing of the, the role of the law in his life was that it actually was relevant to his life. Am I right? It was very personal. It wasn't just a far-off law for all of humanity, but he applied it so directly to his life with passion and fervor, with all the emotional zeal he could muster up in his heart. He so desperately wanted his eyes and his heart to, to, to grab a hold of the law to, for it to play its proper role in his life. And I would submit to you that that is the role of the Word of God in every one of our lives if we allow it to be an authoritative, illuminating light for us to see the way in which we are to live and for us to be able to see the dark spots in our heart that are keeping us from really fulfilling and experiencing all that God has for us. So why do we need God's authoritative word in our life? Firstly, God knows the best way of life for us. 
God knows the best way of life for us. And that is not just a, um, like a trite, God knows best, so trust him. No, just take a moment to, to consider the implications of God actually revealing to him, himself to us in the written form. This is the creator of the universe revealing himself to the created ones. And so it would make complete logical sense that we would want to submit ourselves to his revelation because he would know best. He would know the best way in which to live. But I know right away when we think of the word of God and the different commands and, and uh, order that God brings through his word, we resist it, am I right? That's like all of our rebellious nature. We're like, I don't like being told what to do, especially as Americans, am I right? Like we're so independent. We like to think for ourselves and to be told what to do. It's like we just start to clam up. And so if we want to grab a hold of the proper role of the word of God in our lives, we have to humble our hearts and come to grips with the reality that we are created ones. We are not kings of our own universe. As much as this culture would like to tell us that we are not. We are created ones. And we have the opportunity through written revelation to submit ourselves to the created one. And say, creator, creator God of the universe, how do you see me in light of all that you have created and set in motion? How am I supposed to live? What is the best way of living? And right away in verses 1 and 2, what does he say? Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. The blessed life can be experienced in Christ as we submit ourselves to the authority of God's word. The blessed life is, is not necessary. I'm not saying you're going to be driving a Lamborghini tomorrow or have a vacation place in Malibu. But there's a blessed life of joy and peace, fullness, purpose that's available in Christ if we submit ourselves to the law, to the light of God's revelation upon our lives. Verse 17 says, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Can I tell you, God is a, a, uh, a, an abundant father, abundantly generous father, and he's not withholding from you. Many of the the um, ways in which we think of blessed in this world are very short blessings. They, they, they give a, a short a moment of, of pleasure. The blessings of God, the blessed life, and some translations say happy are those whose walk is blameless. There's, there's a deeper sense of happiness that we can find as we submit ourselves to God's ways and not our own. And in verse 37, he says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Part of the role of the word of God as we submit ourselves to his authority is he allows us to, our value grid to be turned upside down. And I've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. As we encounter Christ, what we used to value and prize, we hold precious to our heart. It gets flipped upside down and our value grid is completely different. And the word of God does that. We begin to see, oh, there's more to this life than what I was living for. So God knows the best way of life for us. I like to think of it in this way. It's like driving down the highway at night with your headlights on. That's what, it, that's what it's like to drive, or to, to submit ourselves to the light of Christ's word, his revelation. It's like driving down the highway with lights on at night. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you're going to drive down the highway with your headlights off, what everyone would consider you a fool, right? You're not long for this world. If you were to survive sup, such a, you know, a daring uh, endeavor, you would be concentrating with all of your might to try to have some reference point, right? You're trying to keep your eye on the, 
on the line or on the, on the middle line of the highway. It would take all that you could muster up just to have some reference point as you're zooming down the highway at 60 miles an hour with no headlights on. But God has given us a gift not to know all, to perceive all, to understand all, but to know enough to lead us down this path, this narrow path. Jesus says, narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. It's easy to destroy our lives, but Christ gives us available, or makes available to us this blessed life. It's in a narrow path, but if we just turn the headlights on, which is like allowing the illuminating power of the word of God to be reflecting on our lives, we can head down this path This highway is 60 miles an hour, and it's a blast. Secondly, God knows that we need purpose to drive us. Creator God set us above the rest of creation, and he put in us this innate need for meaning and purpose. He put that in every single one of us. We need something to live for. Just just purposeless, meaningless living, I mean, it's not sustainable in this world. We have to have something to drive us. And, and God knew that. And so through his word, he inspires us to actually live for something. Verses 18 and 19, he says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. God wants to spark in your heart awe and wonder of who he is and what he's created, created you for. And he does that through the word of God. You read something in his word and it sparks mystery, awe, and wonder that you're created for. Like, wow, God has put in me so much more, capacity for more, and he does that through his word. And I love the analogy then of the psalmist. He calls us a sojourner. I'm a sojourner. I'm this, this traveler. But the difference between us and those who don't have a relationship with Christ, who do not submit themselves to the revelation of God's word, is we're either a sojourner with purpose or we're this aimless sojourner, this aimless traveler, just kind of kind of taking whatever comes our way, aimlessly wandering the earth. Or we can be this sojourner that I would characterize as an adventurer in Christ. As the word of God is becoming real to us and God is leading us down this path, we have purpose. There's something that drives us and inspires us. And in verse 31, he says, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. And he uses that word testimonies, that we translate testimonies several times in Psalm 119. He uses all these different words to describe the word of God, the written revelation of the word. And one, one translates testimonies. It's the stories of how God works. I love reading how God works. There's, there's a pattern of how God works, and he, he does it in many different forms and different contexts, but there's an overarching character and nature of God that you can, you can be confident in. And as you, as you catch on to those stories, they inspire something in your heart, and you say, God, do it again in my day. 2017, God, do the miraculous in my day. That, that drives me, that inspires me to go after more in Christ, and, and that's what the Word of God is supposed to do in your life supposed to spark something, make you come alive in a fresh way as you see the world around you. Things are not right. Like things are messed up. And as ones that are following Christ and you submit yourself to the authority of the light of Christ, what he does is he allows you to see how they're out of balance with the kingdom of God. How they can come into submission to the, the kingdom of God and there can be a new way. There can be restoration. There can be healing. There can be the miraculous. God can do a work. And thirdly, God knows that we are forgetful or easily distracted. 
You say, oh, I'm not forgetful. I'm not easily distracted. But then tomorrow comes, and all your intentions of yesterday kind of fizzle out, right? We've all made promises to God, or even if you've never made a promise to God, you've made a promise to someone, and you forget about it a couple days later, am I right? God has given us the gift of his written word to keep us on this path of, of constantly going after his best for our life because he knew that we were forgetful. And it, you don't have to read long in the Bible to get this pattern in humanity, that we are forgetful beings. We are easily distracted. Verses 9 through 11, he says, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This psalmist is, he's real, he's honest. He's like, this, this life is difficult. And I know, the psalmist knew enough of God that God just was not leaving him to fend for himself. But God was giving him something, a revelation of what he's like so that he could guard his heart, so that he could stay on this straight and narrow path after the things of God. He can keep his way pure by guarding it according to his word. That means daily we're submitting ourselves to the light of Christ. Yesterday is great, and you can be excited about what God's done in your life yesterday, but today is a new day, and today you have the decision to be like my daughter Addison and say, God, give me all the light you got. Like, open up the door. <laughs> I need the light in my life today. That's what's going to keep my ways pure. Let me not wander from your commandments. We can easily wander when we forget to submit ourselves to the light of God's revelation. That's the why, the why we need the authoritative word of God in our daily lives. There's some in this place that may, may not understand why we have the 66 books of the Bible. That's, some, that's gonna be an issue I address later this spring, which I'm really excited about, and something I can address with you individually. But if you are to take the 66 books of the Bible that we accept as infallible, authoritative word of God, beyond the, the academic why, the why we need to submit ourselves daily to the authoritative word of God is because he knows best, because he knows he put purpose in our lives and the word of God brings that purpose to life and because we are forgetful. So how can we do this? How can we experience the authority of his word in our life? How can we move from theory to reality? How can we move from boredom to this uh, daily submitting ourselves to something that's actually real and relevant to our lives? I think the psalm gives us actually a lot to go from. I'm actually going to use an acrostic this morning. The psalmist inspired me. So uh, the, the, the word we're going to be spelling is speak. Because I so desperately want God to speak to your life. And it worked out with the words, with the, the, the ideas that, that I believe come out of Psalm 119. I so desperately want God to speak to you personally. This is God's re revelation to all of humanity. But and I'm going I'm to expound on this next week specifically. But God has written a revelation for you specifically. He so desires you. He's pursuing you. It's not just God hanging on a cross, rising from the dead for all of humanity. It's for you personally. God loves you that much, and he wants to reveal his word to you personally. So firstly, the S in speak is see Jesus in it. The main character of this word, it's not Abraham or Moses or John the Baptist. The main character is God himself. And God steps foot onto the planet in the center of the story. He is the main character. 
So if you want to understand everything that precedes Christ stepping foot onto the planet, you, you need to realize it in the context of that moment. He is the, he's the main character, and it all points to him. And there's, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament especially, everything before Jesus, that can be confusing, and it can be, it can be long, and we're, underst- we're monotonous, and you're, you're, underst- you're trying to feel like, what is going on? When you step back and place it in the context of Christ stepping foot onto the planet, onto the stage, it can begin to make sense. See Jesus in it. If we just even take a look at the very two verses, he talks about this blessed life. Jesus modeled for us the, the, the essence of the blessed life. He was fully submitted to the ways and the law of the Lord. He was without blemish. He was blameless in every way, righteous. So it, as, as the psalmist unfolds this idea of a blessed life, we can see it fully fulfilled in Jesus, in the Gospels. Jesus is the human demonstration of the Word of God. He is the Word of God in the flesh. We have the written revelation of God, and we have the revelation of God in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Am I right? And that Word was the Son of God, He is the revelation of God himself. You want to know what God looks like, how God acts, what God is, um, how he interacts with humanity? Look to the person of Jesus. And so anytime you're reading, anytime you open up scripture, which I pray will be tomorrow morning, as you open up scripture, try to see Jesus in it. Ask the question, how does this point to Jesus? How does this connect to the life of Jesus? How does Jesus fulfill this? So see Jesus in it. Pray it, secondly. S is see Jesus in it. P is pray it. I challenge you to pray the word of God. When you pray the word of God, what you're doing is you're demonstrating to God in faith that you actually believe it's relevant to your life. When you just read it like a textbook, what you're, outward, what you're outwardly showing is that you just, you're just viewing it as words on a page. Ancient writings that maybe you have a reverence for, you have a respect for. But in terms of relevance to your life, the connection hasn't been made yet. It's not until you begin to pray it that it begins to actually, you're actually demonstrating to the Lord, God, this is relevant to my life, and I want you to open up my understanding. I want you to open up my eyes, expand my heart that I might receive all that you have for me. And so what I've given you here in Psalm 119 is is a gift of word that can easily be prayed. So I would challenge you this week, to even just find a few verses here in Psalm 119 that you can begin praying out loud. It may be, maybe it will take five minutes, but you can pray, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. You can make this, this word of God a prayer for yourself. And what you're doing is you're demonstrating to God that you believe it's actually relevant to your life. You're bringing two basic spiritual disciplines together. This beautiful marriage, bringing the word and prayer together. We as a church have been modeling that very thing where we pray the word of God. We've chosen Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 as a year-long prayer for our church. If you don't have one of our prayer cards, you can grab one in the lobby. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 very simply says that we're praying that God would give us spiritual wisdom and insight so we might grow in the knowledge of God. That's our prayer as a church. 
We're, we're demonstrating to God that we believe his word to be true, and we're believing that he is a God, even in the 21st century, that opens up our understanding to grow in the knowledge of God. Thirdly, engage it. Engage it. See Jesus in it, pray it. Thirdly, engage it. Verses 25 through 28, I love this. Verse 26, actually. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The psalmist engages the word of God on a level that's interactive. He asks questions, and God answers him through the revelation of his word. He specifically says, that God will strengthen him according to his word. Whatever you're facing, God can answer you through his word to meet a need in the moment. Whatever you're facing, he knows it. He's not far from you. He's not far off. And we have the opportunity to engage it. Just a, a practical thing you can begin practicing in your life tomorrow. I would love to encourage you as you're reading the word of God and you come across something that you don't understand I'd encourage you to, in the margin, write the question to the Lord. Lord, Lord, I don't understand this. What is going on here, God? Literally write it in the margins of your Bible. I've found as I do that, in that, that, that humble act of faith that's interactive and engaging to the Lord, he actually begins to answer those questions. Not to figure everything out, but in a relational way, he answers the cries of our hearts. He allows us to understand his ways on a greater level. You can just put a question mark somewhere in your margin. You can write in the margin and say, God, I want to understand this greater. I think I understand this, Lord. Help me understand it more. Engage with the word of God. Expect it, expect it to relate to your life. If you're in the battle of your life, before you open up scripture, ask him to strengthen you according to his word and see what God does. Fourthly, apply it. I don't know if the psalmist was a young guy or not, but he addresses an issue that's relevant to young people. It's the area of purity. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure in this world? And this was thousands of years ago. But he said, even in their day, they struggled with purity. And obviously in our day, it's a plague on this generation. Sexual addictions, pornography and access to sexual uh, pleasures that are way outside of the bounds of what God has ordained as holy. And he says, a young man can keep his way pure by guarding his heart according to his word, storing up the treasures of God's word, submitting yourself daily to the light of, of God's revelation. That you might walk in accordance with his word. You can actually apply it to the things that you're facing. I don't know what battles you're facing, whether it be your marriage or whether, whether it be you feel in over your head with school, whether it be a workplace situation, you're feeling bullied at work or whatever it is. God wants to apply his word to your situations, to your lives. He really does. Oftentimes, as you walk in relationship with God, though, that can be difficult because God will deliver you a word or a command that's actually going to require you to take action. That's when you actually apply it. That's, that's experiencing God's word when you actually 
believe that he's speaking to you and he's actually asking you to live differently in accordance with his word. That's, that's difficult, am I right? I love this verse in James chapter 1. He says this, but, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once and he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He talks about the difference of experiencing the word or just reading the word. Oh, I think it's so exciting to imagine a church of people that expect to experience the word of God. And so then we can stop fooling ourselves when we look in a mirror and we got, you know, food on our face, we turn away from the mirror and we forget that we have food on our face. You know, we don't, we don't take care of the issue. We don't take care of the mess. That's the analogy James makes. God is giving us a gift. It's a mirror to, to give us a reflection of how our life is, maybe needs to be corrected to come into alignment with the kingdom of God, to come into alignment with God's best. The, the, the kicker is then we need to apply it. We need to actually act. We need to we need to obey. I remember one powerful story of this. In Seattle, when Tanya and I were in the marketplace, we had a small group Bible study in our home of young adults. And right away, there was a, there was a guy, a friend that encountered Christ, and so he was starting to grow in his relationship with Christ. And soon, in the context of that community, he began to realize that his addiction to pornography probably wasn't God's best for his life. And we talked openly about it, and we, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't say, you need to deal with this now. We allowed the Holy Spirit to, to, to bring him to that place. But eventually he wanted to confess, and he said, I want to move forward to this. And so I, I, sh- I shot straight with him, and I said, dude, if you want to get rid of this in your life, I would, I would push you to take a drastic measure. If you're actually thinking God is, is asking you to obey, maybe you need to make it a little more difficult for you to access that pornography. I asked him, why don't you get rid of your computer? Or get rid of access to the internet from your computer. This was 10 years ago, so internet was maybe a little different than it is today. But he had to take his USB drive, wireless adapter, and he would have need to get, needed to get rid of it. I remember we had that conversation. I, I took a leap of faith to challenge him directly. And he said, I just don't think I can do it. I just don't think I can do it. I'm, I just do too much on the, I do gaming on the internet, and, and I just can't do it. And honestly, I was pretty sad. I remember talking to my wife about it. I was just bummed because so God reveals, God's doing a work in somebody's life and God reveals things to people. And when they don't respond in obedience, it's, it's kind of, it's heartbreaking in the context of community. But the kicker was next week when this guy showed up early, just he texted me and asked if he could come early to small group. He said, Drew, I'd really love to talk to you. He came early to, to, to small group and he came with him, or he brought with himself this USB wireless adapter. And he said, Drum done. <laughs> like, God's revealed this to me, and I, and I want to be done with it. And so he handed it to me, he said, Take it. I don't want, I wouldn't want to have an easy access. I don't want to continue to play with fire. It was a huge step for him. This was a kid that struggled with self harm and a messed up family. By the time we left Seattle, to move to Iowa, this guy was leading this young adult's ministry that we had started, and God had just taken this guy on this trajectory of uh, amazing growth and maturity as he responded to God's word in obedience. He actually d- desired to apply it to his life, and it's, it's not easy. 
It's not comfortable, but it's the difference maker for us as a church, and, and I'm just excited to see us come alive to that. And lastly, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. The lastly, the last letter is K, which stands for know it. Know it. Commit it to memory. Store it up in your heart. That's what we just read in verse 11. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You begin storing up the word of God. He reveals something to you. You begin to commit it to memory, not just memory for memory's sake, but you store it up in your heart. You're saying, God, this is a treasure to me. And I want to I know it. I want it to, to resonate in my soul throughout my day. You begin to meditate on the word of God. That's what know it really means. And in verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. He, the psalmist really wanted to know the word of God, not just the first reading. And I know some people, maybe they're new believers or maybe they're non-believers, they would say, how can you read the same book over and over again? Like, haven't you read it before? Like, why do you need to keep reading it? Because the depths and the riches of God's word are inexhaustible. And he always has something new for you. And by new, I'm not saying something outlandish, like some new revelation that will allow you to start some new religion. No, I'm saying something of God's character that's, that resonates with, in church community, that's orthodox, of the ways of Jesus. That's what God reveals to you. And it's inexhaustible. And the psalmist knew it. So he said, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. There's coming a day when I believe that you will open up the scriptures and it won't be foreign words anymore. It won't be words on a, ta- words on a page. For you, it's going to be life-giving, a living word, living and active, applying to your life. I believe it. I've been praying it all week long. I've been picturing different ones of you with your scripture wide open and interacting with it in your living room. Church is not the only time we're supposed to crack open our Bibles. Sorry to break it to you, but God, this morning, he's calling you. He's saying, find me, discover me, discover more of me in my word, in my written revelation of of who I am. And he's inviting you to do it tomorrow morning. For some of you, maybe you already do read the word on a regular basis. He's calling you deeper into his heart in a fresh wave of reviving your soul in a way he'll speak to you relevantly. For some of you, maybe it's been a long time since you read, read the word. And I'm believing that today and tomorrow, he's going to speak to you through his word as you simply give him a chance. You open it up. I'll read this last quote by A.W. Tozer, then I will be done. It says, The God who by the word of the gospel proclaims men free, by the power of the gospel actually makes them free. To accept less than this is to know the gospel and word only without its power. And I'm sad to say, I've, I've met some people who they say, I've tried the Christianity thing. Or they kind of get frustrated because they're like, I don't have the faith or the experience that other people have in the Lord. And they kind of feel like they're an outsider or a spectator. That's no one's fault but your own. God is giving you a full invitation to experience all that he is. The, the, the issue is you have to contend for more than just words, more than a mental ascent, more than a theory, and submit yourself to the reality of the authority of the Word of God in your life. It's the difference maker. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel is not adherence to a creed only, 
It's the full submission of our lives to the power and the will of God in our lives. If everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes. Excited for this next season. I just see a group of people in this church community that are so desirous of the word of God that it speaks to them on a daily basis and it's just jumping off the pages, speaking relevantly to their lives. And I see in the midst of that, I see marriages finding wholeness, finding a deeper level of intimacy and unity because they're diving into the word. I see kids encountering Christ in their homes because the word of God is being talked about. I see this church being flooded with lost people because we actually understand that the mission of God burning on these pages is relevant for us. I see it in my eyes, my mind eyes. I really do. A church full of people that need to encounter Christ because we've all encountered Christ for real, Monday through Sunday. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Drew, I need to start this journey with Christ by committing my life to Christ. I haven't done that, or maybe you have done that, but it's been, maybe you've wandered away from him, and this morning you need to make things right. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, not because I'm going to call you out or embarrass you, I just wanna know, I can follow up with you then. If that's you in this place, you'd say, Drew, I need to commit my life to Christ. I need to make a decision to follow Jesus, surrender my life to him. That's you in this place, if you just raise your hand. Awesome. Is there anybody else? God is in this place. If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, you can pray a prayer like this. God, this morning I recognize my need for you that I'm the created one, you are the creator, and I'm, I wanna submit myself fully to your ways in my life. And this morning I recognize Jesus as the only way, the only solution for my life. This morning I commit myself completely to you. You are king of my life now, you are savior of my soul. I wanna follow you from this day forward. Your precious name, amen. So in the coming weeks, I'm gonna unfold a challenge to our church in some very specific ways in the Word of God. I'm excited to see the fruit from that. But this week, the challenge is very simple. It's, it's Psalm 119. I wanna challenge us as a church to pray these first 40 verses of Psalm 119 over our lives. We've been praying Ephesians chapter one, but I would just challenge you. If you're already in the Word, then just flip over to Psalm 119 and just pray a couple verses over your life, over your family, over your kids. If you're not in the Word, that's a great place to start, Psalm 119. Go there, begin to pray it out loud. I, I just dare you to pray it out loud over your life and see what God does as He allows the Word of God to come alive to you. Go ahead and stand your feet. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.